Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I hear location. I'm like, man, like this is tight. Like, this is like to me. Like, I knew he was talented, and I knew he, you know, he was gonna find success. But I didn't expect it to happen like so fast. Yeah, you know, I'm mean? like, it was just like from one day to the next. It was like that record is just boom everywhere. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Uh, yeah. Everybody tuning in, you invited, you invited. No matter what mood you in, get excited, get excited. Everybody love the music, let me tell you how they do it. Whether writer or an agent, let me tell you how they made it. You are now talking to a silent giant. Wanna walk in their shoes, silent giants. Wanna study they move, silent giants. Wanna know what they do, silent giants. Silent giants, y'all. <laughs> Welcome to the Silent Giants Podcast a podcast highlighting the superstars behind your favorite superstars in creative industries. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. To keep up with the latest on the show, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at @silentgiantspodcast. Also, to keep up with my life, music, and more, be sure to follow me as well at, at @corycambridge. Today on the show, we have a very special guest, Mario Rangel, the silent giant and celebrity stylist for some of my favorite acts in music today, Bryson Tiller and Khalid. In this episode, Mario talks about his upbringing in L.A., how his career in entertainment began as a manager, explains how he became Bryson Tiller's stylist, and the story and fashion behind Khalid's artwork for his debut breakout single, Location. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to the man of the hour, the tastemaker, the stylist, my friend, the silent giant, Mario Rangel. Mario, what's up, my man? How are you, brother? Chilling, man. Out in New York for a few days, enjoying Men's Fashion Week. Um, just taking in the city, man. Enjoying it. Yeah. So, so you are you're based in L.A. Are I'm you living in L.A. now? Yeah, I'm. I'm in L.A. Okay. You know, I was out here for a few months. Um, spent some time in Mexico, and then went back to L.A. Been in L.A. for a few months now. You know. How, how's how's life in L.A., man? Um, you know, it's kind of it gets hectic sometimes. You know, it's just like New York. You know, it's definitely not as fast paced, but you know, things get hectic sometimes. It's, it's so good, it's good to get away sometimes and enjoy different cities, different places. You have you have a, you have a podcast energy, for real? You got that like, Word. but like late night. What you know? There's it's like yeah, the, you know me. I have no filter, bro. Well, yeah. it's it's like you know, like Charlemagne or like DJ Envy may have like a like a or or Dre in LA Word. with like a hype energy. Word. You've got that like. Coming next. <laughs> Coming next on Smooth 105.7. You know, it's, that's just probably the THC. Movie, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> always, la- I think, uh, what was it? The last time I saw you, we did the interview, I was like, dude, I've ever seen you without your glasses on. Maybe three times. Yeah, yeah, it would be like yeah, dead of night. Yeah. Sunglasses. Yeah, usually my eyes are too low to have my, my glasses <laughs> on, man. Yeah, even, even though you still like... Even with the glasses off, you don't look like. Not for sure, for sure. You a still lot look of like. Tell me that. <laughs> oh yeah, this is Mario. You know, it's just this. You know, it's just who I am. You know, just be me. You know, figure out and 
not lose track of what I want to do at the end of the day, you know, and just be successful, find success being myself. Yep. You know, I think that's the biggest thing as far as, like, you know, a lot of us entrepreneurs, you know, just people trying to figure it out is you kind of lose track of yourself sometimes, you know, doing things you don't want to do. And, you know, I've definitely just been fortunate enough to surround myself with people who believe in, you know, what I like and what I want to do, you know, and it's hard sometimes to meet people that definitely understand the vision and appreciate what you think and have to bring to the plate. For sure. No, 100%, dude. 100%. So, Mario, uh, talk to me about, like, uh, your upbringing. Like, are you from, born and raised L.A.? Um, yeah, born and raised in the San Fernando Valley, North Hollywood. Um, you know, come from a um, Mexican dad, Salvadorian mom. You know, grew up re- you know, relatively pretty poor, you know, for... S- from what I can remember, you know, my parents definitely struggled at the beginning, you know, up until like maybe I was like six, seven. Just got better jobs. Um, middle class, you know, raised middle class. And you can say it's like somewhat the suburbs, you know, San Fernando Valley. Um, Look like LA is one big suburb. For the most part, it's just so <laughs> spread out. Right, bro. right, right. It is so spread out. You know, you, you definitely, you know, if you drive through LA, you'll just see so much culture you know it's, it's so spread out for sure but it's a beautiful place man it is um you I, know I, I, I grew up just listening to rap music idolizing just really the way people dress you know from a young age like i would just see you know their outfits the kicks and what was the fashion like in la like growing up like man, what were you really into what i saw like firsthand was definitely like la gangster cholo you know, culture. You it's know, like ballets and chucks and chucks, um, pro keds. You know, especially chucks and like Cortezes. You know, like the nylon Cortezes, the navy blue joints, the black joints. Wait, the court, like Nike court, Nike Air Cortez. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a you pair know, of them joints. Motherfuckers used to wear them with the high white socks, the cut off dickies. Um, like gangsters used to wear these like polo shirts. They used to have like lines it would be like black white or gray white or navy white tucking the shirts with the with the belts you know have the whole hood on the belt yeah the belt buckles you know that was like fast the first hand fashion that i saw like outside of like my immediate circle like you know my house my uncles and shit like that you know and it's definitely like culture shock it's like you go outside and like you see all these dudes you know, getting beat up by the cops and shit back then it's like cops were reckless bro you know, like really beating up people like with the batons like going all in like it was just all throughout the city this is like 91 you know like around the time like yep. Rodney, Rodney King, King LA like, riots it, you know, yeah. it was definitely going down like everywhere in the city it was just discrimination everywhere as long as you were colored you know especially then you know like people were definitely pushing the, the gangster culture you know, right like, that's what it was about you know and I never really got into that like it was just you know always around relatives and, and you know, gangs and stuff like that, but I was always like, man, the music, music, yeah. the fashion, the sports, like, that's what I was always about. What was the music you were into uh, growing um, up? Man, my half-brother really put me on a lot of stuff, like, really early, like, Pete Rock, CL, um, Big Daddy Kane, like, a lot of that stuff, you know, like, the, you know, the older stuff. From that, like, I just, you know, I never, I... I Grew up listening to West Coast music, but I definitely had a ear for East Coast, like, lyricism. Okay. You know, the storytelling ability people used to, 
you know, surprised me at a young age. You know, I was really paying attention to what people were saying. So I definitely, like, really, really was on, like, Wu-Tang, Nas, you know, Tribe, Q, Q-Tip, all that stuff. Like, you know, a lot of, like, the native, native tongue movement stuff. You know, I was just intrigued by the way they looked. I was like, yo, their haircuts look crazy, <laughs> yo, like, the tie-dye stuff, like, the baggy pants, especially, like, when Tribe came out, like, you know, they used to have some crazy fits, yo. And, and like, the 90s had, like, the best kind of, I think, the 70s fashion, 80s fashion, some of that stuff kind of carries on and yeah, so has yeah, a little I bit mean, of a life, but 90s fashion to this day has, for some reason, like, still kind of stuck around yeah, yeah, more yeah. than... Like other eras I mean, of fashion, yeah. Especially, I mean, especially like in in like urban culture, like hip hop culture. Like you know, you, you're always gonna see like the first like cool things that kind of popped off. Like you know, the, the Puma like b boy look, you know, yep. the, the Adidas stuff, and like the Cortezes and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely '90s culture. Like just, I think it was the best time to like really grow up for some reason. Like it was just. Well, also too, I think. Like fashion wise, it was the birth of sneaker culture. Of course, of course. You know, like, just urban culture really, man. Like yeah. you know, there was the boom of like, you know, the Carl Kanai's and the Fubus and yeah. you know, and definitely, you know, urban culture had a lot to do with just like Nautica and Tommy Hilfiger and Polo and all that stuff. Like just as far as like the the tension that they got off of like, you know, all these artists wearing their stuff. The first time in fashion where there was like actual entrepreneurship amongst the community with like mm-hmm. a Carl Kanai, sure. with the Fubu, yeah. I think at the time before those brands, there I think it was, you know, like, there was like, like cross like that, colors, and right. you know, there was like you know smaller brands that were kind of starting to, to pop off. You know, um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Cross Colors, uh, the guy from Cross Colors, ended up helping Carl Kanai uh, with like his distribution. And stuff yes, like that. yes. Yeah. But what's his name? I saw an interview um, with him. I can't remember his name can't right now. His name, but yeah, that dude's a legend for sure. He's a legend. Him, <laughs> I know Cross Colors. Yeah, 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 not for sure. I just can't remember his name. My bad. And no, no, no <laughs> my bad too. My bad too. Uh, his, his name is also not in the brand, so it's kind of easy to remember Carl Kanai. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember the guy who started Fubu's name. Shouts to the bro Jordan over at Cross Colors. Oh, there there we know. go. <laughs> know him, <laughs> and so, uh, so Mario, so tell me about, um, you know, how you first got into. Did you ever want to be an artist, uh, like as far as being a, a, a rapper or a singer or producer? Or did you always know you wanted to kind of be more a part of the culture, but not as a as an artist? I never really wanted to be an artist. Like, you know, I was always the type of person to like look through the booklets, like the CD booklets, and look through the names, try to figure out who these people were behind like the scenes in a sense. So I don't know. Like, I, I was just I was so intrigued by the back end work to create the music. You know, at a young age, I was just, just like, who are these people? Who's this A and R? Like. You know, just having the internet, like, I guess that helped, you know, the, the older I got when I got into, like, middle school. You know, I st- started really getting intrigued by, like, the business and, like, I'm like, man, like, I want to be want to be involved in the music industry. Like, who doesn't, you know what I mean? Especially being in L.A. Um, I was just fortunate enough. Uh, I started interning for a record label when I was in high school. Just going in there, you know, just buying clothes. At the time, like, LRG was kind of starting to pop off, and they were, like, the only place you could get it at. And my friends were working there, and I was like, man, just let me work. Like, I'll pass out flyers. I'll do whatever. Just, like, give me some clothes, whatever. Like, shoot me whatever you guys can. And it grew from that to me starting to work there. Um, 
you know like that definitely helped me out like i was like man like working there helping these people out like still kind of have a presence in the city it was a great experience you know especially being like 18 19 straight out of high school it's like yo like man like maybe this could lead me to something else so like how did the opportunity come about from you leaving um the internship to you becoming a manager shortly after leaving that record store job i started working for a production company i started doing like a lot of the urban content like music fashion stuff and that's how i kind of got in the time we were doing videos with like um pack div and dom kennedy and like you know it was just like you know Dahi. Mm-hmm. No. Dahi. He, he, no, he, he was, was saying it was, he was like, definitely like around like that LA new wave crowd. No. Yeah, so how did it come about that you were going to take um, on this role of being a manager for Toronto and Amari? You know, just them seeing like what I was doing, like just kind of blogging, starting, you know, starting to blog pretty early, like 2007, 2008. Um, we kind of understood how the internet was going to like slowly transition into like, you know, blogs, really pushing music, getting behind artists. We and they were they also had a blog, so we definitely developed a lot of the relationships really early on with a lot of the the blogs that kind of took off like Two Dope Boys, Not Right, On Smash, and you know they definitely helped out pushing the music and just believing in us. Right, because how, how did you build those relationships? Um, well, we would I would basically find artists for this production company throughout. I believe it was thirteen or the fourteen biggest markets in the country okay and you know i'd have to dig through myspace at the time or like uh, i meme at the time and find these artists and you know i would contact them you know all these artists at the time were like yo free videos like yeah you know and like the videos were well well edited like it, it wasn't like nothing crazy whack we had a partnership with herb magazine at the time so you know they were helping us get like artists that were starting to pop off like jay electronica um, B.O.B., Wale, Justice. So that definitely helped out the momentum with the company. And then, you know, when I got on board, I was like, I know all these people from L.A., New York, you know, Boston, Seattle. So I was like, man, if I get all these people, you know, to get the, get them on, do these videos, and everybody's going to see the vision and then, you know, want to get involved. And that kind of grew. And, you know, Toronto and Omar, I guess, kind of saw, like, damn, you know, he kind of understands and just started working. It was like, all right, for sure. Okay. Squad. Um, I think that was like January of like 2008, 2009, something like that. Okay. And, you know, I had been involved with um, Blue and Exile's manager while I was working at the record store, just kind of figuring out. I'm like, man, this is really what's interesting to me, like the management type of stuff. And just fortunate enough for them to let, like, even let me be around, you know, and... So it was just like a tight-knit family, all of us. You know, like Pac Div, Blue Exile, Toronto, Omari. You know, Dom was there. He was slowly kind of transitioning into, like, really rapping. So it was, like, a great time to be in L.A. as far as just, like, the scene and the energy. Right. The energy was so unique and, like, so genuine. Everybody just wanting to be around each other, just wanting to enjoy the energy everybody had to offer. And so... You, you, you're managing. So this around this time was 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the next step for you in your career? Um, because you, now you work in fashion. So how did that transition from you being a manager? Um, so, so I did like... And, and, and were, you, were you helping the group out, Toronto and Amari out in fashion as well at this yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was really early on. Like I, 
I already had relationships with, with a lot of brands from just, you know, I guess you could say interning with, with Blue and Exile and his manager, John Kim. Um, so kind of carried those relationships over. A lot of people went to different brands and started their own brands. You know, I'd always just hit up these brands. I'm like, yo, you know, I'm working with these artists. Can I get some clothes? Maybe get some budgets, you know, some sponsorship money to get behind, like, videos or travel expenses or anything at the time. And, you know, that slowly... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We developed like really good relationships between like Toronto and Omar and myself and like a lot of brands, up and coming brands that are established now. You know, just believing, believing in, in, in what we were doing. You know what I mean? Um, so how did you end up building those relationships with those clothing brands? Was it based on uh, relationships you had had prior or like, hey, like, these are some guys based here in L.A.? Both. both okay. Both. Um, you know, definitely doing some cool video video shoots, doing different just doing different things. You know, that I felt their energy was not, you know, they weren't from L.A. So, like, I always, I always wanted to make sure that we... They're from Chicago. Yeah, they're That's from Chicago. Right. I forget that. So I always wanted to make sure that they represented like where they're from still, like some some way, and, like even them, like the way they would dress. Like, you know, I feel like people from Chicago dress a specific way. Right. You know, I mean like some fly shit. You know, that's why like AO dresses like the way he dresses, like the button ups, like tucked in, like it's just like some cool laid back fly shit. So, you know, a lot of people ended up Working for really big brands and just, you know, they always helped out. Sending us clothes, you know, um, getting us involved in, like, parties that they would host or stuff like that. Getting them to perform. You know, it was, it was a great time. Let's say, for instance, for uh, an upcoming artist and you want to attach yourself to a clothing brand. Like, what goes into the X's and O's of asking a clothing brand for money? Like, how does that, uh, how does that work? The brand just really has to believe, believe just the artist, you know, um, definitely there's been situations where I've approached brands about certain artists, like, partnering up, and, you know, they're like, nah, and then, like, a few months later, they're like, yo, so can we do this? I'm like, nah, man, like, you only get one chance, like, you only get, like, one opportunity to get behind an artist, especially brands that understand get it, you know, that's why, like, a lot of the brands have definitely helped a lot of artists you know, they're still around if you really pay attention. That's why, like, your 10 Deep... 10 Deep was probably one of, the, like, the smartest brands attaching themselves to artists and, like, helping them curate mixtapes. Like, so, like, if you pay attention, a lot of the artists that they did help kind of put on, like, they're still around, still relevant. So, you know, that time, 
you know, around that time, brands were definitely starting to like venture out to help put out artists, projects, and stuff like that. And you know, it was it was definitely a great time to be around that. Just to, to see all these brands like find success. You know, it it was always intriguing to me because I'm like, man, like I want to have my brand. Like, I want to have my artists, like, wear my shit. You know, it was a great time, like, a great time in my life. Definitely learned a lot about myself. You know, I was still young, and I started doing that when I was, like, what, 22? Yeah. You know, very young. Like, I'm like, man, I'm traveling. Like, I'm seeing so much of the country, and I'm like, man, like, this is, like, the time of my life. Like, as a kid, you know, you you really don't think, like, man, like, one day, you know, I want to travel the whole country. You know, you don't think about that, especially when you know when you when you come when you come up with not much. You know, you kind of you know you don't have the luxury of thinking about shit like that. You right. Know, you're trying to figure out how to help your parents survive. You know, working for dope. I uh, left with Ryan Amari around that time, and you know, definitely Ryan, my boy Ryan, was re- definitely responsible when I decided to step away from dope, and I got the opportunity to start working with Bryson Tiller. I uh, met him earlier in 2015. Yeah, how'd the opportunity with, with Bryson uh, come about? How do you get that title? Like, how does that how does that happen to where, hey, you know what? Like, you need a stylist? I'll be a stylist. Yeah, like, how, it's how so, did that happen? It, it's so weird to me because, like, I'm like, oh, this, like, you know, I'll show up to, like, venues and, like, my name will be there and be like, stylist? And, like, you're a stylist? I'm like, man, like. To me, like, it still doesn't resonate with me. Like, I'm just like, oh, this is a bro. Like, you know, bringing up <laughs> some clothes, you feel me? Yeah. But kind of early on, I guess you could say, it was around the time he started doing his... He actually did his first shows with Travis Scott. Because this is pre-Trap Soul. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Like, this is when, like, Dope is starting to, like, really catch fire outside of, like, SoundCloud. Because, you know, it was buzzing on SoundCloud, like, I want to say, as soon as it dropped, like, October... Like, it was, like, November, December of 2015... When I started really catching wind of Bryson, like I heard a few rem- remixes he did, and then I heard "Sorry Not Sorry." I heard it um, actually through Selection. Mm-hmm. Selection definitely got on, on on his wave mad early, and did some digging, found out who he was, and then you know a few months later I meet him. I'm like, damn, this is kind of crazy. Like you know, putting the energy out there, you know, and finally Trap Soul dropped. And t- tell me the story of meeting him for the first time. Um, well, yeah, my bro Tunji who signed him, brought him in, came in through with Nerlens Noel. It's cool, you know. I, like I felt, you know, I'm I'm very good at like reading people's energy and vibes. So you know, he was a little bit, you know, reserved. And I was like, all right, for sure. You know, like you mind if I get a picture of you, bro? You know, for the Instagram, for the stories Instagram. You know, we'll share to you know tag you, shout you out. He's like, yeah, bro, for sure. And he's like covered his face and he's like, bro, is that cool? I was like, bro, that shit looks tight, bro. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you know, and then the friendship developed. You know what I mean? I was seeing when he come into town, and then Trap Soul drops. I, be- I believe Trap Soul was not hand dropped when he did his first shows with Travis Scott in, in L.A. Okay, and he needed the Black Yeezys. You know what I mean? Um, he needed um. You know, at the time, you had to figure out how to get him. You know, I got him from my boy shop, and so so he he hits you up. I was like, yo, I need yeah yeah. He was I like, need these I, I need, shoes. Yeah, I need these bike shoes, like these bike Yeezys. Uh, can you get them for me by like right now? I'm trying to win for the show. I'm like, shit. I mean, I ain't got the money on me. I could go get them, and then we could just pull up tomorrow and like you know, 
pay from it or whatever. And that's what ended up happening. And I think after that, he kind of saw, like, you know, I kind of had some type of juice as far as, like, being able to obtain just fashion shit, you know what I mean? And then I would always take him clothes, you know. I wouldn't necessarily push it on him. Yeah. You know, just be like, yo, this, these brands are sending me stuff because they know that I'm around. You know, if you fuck with it, grab some stuff. If you don't, you know. But, yeah, so helping him out with that and then... He just kind of asked me, he's like, bro, like, I need some help uh, as far as, like, just styling stuff. Like, you down, like, help me grab some stuff. I'm like, hell yeah, bro. Like, I've been waiting. Mafia, like, let's run it. Start hitting up all these brands. And, you know, he kind of liked, I guess he liked the way that I dress, you know, the way that I put stuff together. So, you know, everybody's a little bit different. I kind of understood how he dressed and, like, the stuff that he was into. So, like, I always tried to figure out how to, like, still incorporate what he likes and kind of like what I like to kind of give him and find stuff that kind of merges both. Yeah. I feel like that's where I kind of found the majority of my success, like as far as just bringing him stuff. And that's how we kind of really developed a relationship. Just, you know, me becoming, I guess, his stylist, his like go-to homie to get clothes and stuff like that. Trap soul drops, everything starts getting crazy. I'm just like, yo, this is just to see, you know, see somebody go from like buzzing online to being a household name in like a span of like months, two six months, six months. Yeah. Like honestly, you know, it went from like him performing at the Roxy in October of like 2015 to like him performing at the World Turn in like March or February of 2014. So uh, I want to touch on um, uh, a, a project that uh, I'm a big fan of is Khalid's project. Yeah. And location. How did you come about meeting Khalid? How that how that opportunity come about? I think this is around like February. My boy Nick hits me up. Like I'm on the way back from Mexico, flying back after my grandmother's death. He's like, bro, I'm gonna redirect your flight. I'm gonna bring you out to El Paso. I'm out here with Khalid, Six Sense, the uh, the bro Tunji Ige, and the bro Hiko Mamoji. He's like, uh, shit's getting crazy. Like you gotta come out here. I need your help. Like we, like it's on overdrive. Like we need to have a shoot. Everybody's going to leave town, so, you know, we're just going to spend some time with Khalid and his friends and just, you know, just go through the city, go to El Paso, see how it is. Now, at this time, you you know yeah, you, I'm, you know I'm, Khalid at this I'm, point. We know each other. You know how it is. You meet, you meet, you meet artists online, and like, you, you know, email with each other, interact through social media. We knew about each other early, early on. Like, my boy Nick found him, like I mentioned. I think he had, like, 300, 400 followers, something like that, like, in October of 2015. And I knew all the music he had, you know. My boy Nick kept playing me the stuff. I'm like, yo, this kid's voice is crazy, bro. Like, for him to be 17 and, and have these vocals, I was like, yo, like, this is some wild, crazy shit. So... They start working on location in Atlanta, like, I think this is February. And I leave to Mexico when my grandmother dies, like, the beginning of March. And I link up with my bro, Tunji, who's um, Bryson's A&R. He used to work at Interscope, help like, get Kendrick and TD over, mm-hmm. over Interscope. Oh, I think he also uh, manages Dai. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, OG for sure, bro, bro. So, I'm le- I, I go to his house... Right before I'm leaving LA to go to Mexico, and we have a brief conversation, like, yo, who's next? My brother's kid Khalid, crazy. He's like, man, let me play, let me play some play some stuff. I played him this joint he had with the bro, um, Ducko, called Reasons. 
He's like, yo, this is crazy. I'm like, I told you, bro. You know, I just kind of leave him kind of like, you know, on a cliffhanger. Like, all right, like, go take his music in. Like, I know you're going to do what you do. Like, go through all his music. And while I'm in Mexico, they're working. And a few days before I flew out, I was flying back into the country. Nick sent me location, American team, like a few other tracks that they had recorded. I think Khalid, like he... He he records like crazy. Like from what I know, like he recorded and he wrote some of them songs in like five ten minutes, and, like laid them down. So like I kind of already understood. I was like, yo, this kid gets it. Like he's like he's really trying to be about it. So I'm like, all right, let me come out there, man. And you know, I sent Tunji the music, and he's like, bro, I gotta sign this kid. He went crazy over location in American Teen. He was like, I gotta sign him. He's like, I gotta sign him. So I get to El Paso, we do the shoot, we do all that. Um, definitely trying to figure out his aesthetic. I was like, man, like you, to me, you sound like a folk singer from like the 70s or some shit. Totally. You know what I mean? And I was like, bro, like you, you got to wear like denim shit, tuck your shirt in, like wear some chucks, like some turtlenecks, like some different shit. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's kind of... When people started seeing the change, you know, especially like on his images, it was just like, oh, okay, we we kind of understand the vision for the music and his look, and I think that's what definitely helped him out really on like as far as like you know now like especially like on SoundCloud, you know, the cover is is you need a tight cover in order for, to really stand out for sure, for sure. You know I mean, and like even just him in that picture for location is just him standing with a denim jacket. Like El Paso in the back, you know, mountains and shirt tucked in. But, you know, like it captures that moment. Like, you know, this is El Paso. You know, this is this is kind of how we look out here in a sense. You know what I mean? Like this is our steez out here. And from then on, like, man, it just went overdrive. Because you know? what, what, what was the story of that shoot? Like how, how many days did you have uh, it was, to prepare? It or? Was, man, honestly, it was... It was, I didn't really have time to prepare because <laughs> I was in Mexico, like, you know, dealing with my grandmother's death. And I just happened to have, I was lucky to have a bunch of clothes that I didn't wear while I was out there. So I was like, all right, maybe, you know, we could definitely use some of this. Wait, so you literally came out, you went to the shoot with clothes that you already had, that yeah. you just had. Yeah. Well, you, the, the thing is. Were they your, were they your outfits? Yeah. Like, so, the thing is, brands send me stuff. And, like, usually when I pack, I always try to take stuff that's still, like, in the bags. I'm, it's easier to pack. I'm just throwing shit. I'm like, I don't even know how, like, whatever. Just throw whatever in my suitcase. So, like, you know, I was in Mexico for, like, almost a month. You know, didn't really get to wear a lot of the stuff. You know, it was just kind of like more on some chill shit, family shit. I wasn't really going out or anything like that. So, luckily, I had, like, a bunch of stuff that was still new. And to me, like, I was just like, man, like, we did that in, like, this short amount of time. Like, damn. And, and also, too, it's, it's, it's also really nice to know that something that happens so organically and so yeah. quickly is something that's so timeless. Yeah, definitely. You like, know, like, I hear location. I'm like, man, like, this is tight. Like, this is, like, to me, like, I knew he was talented and I knew he you know, he was going to find success, but I didn't expect it to happen, like, so fast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, like, from one day to the next, it was like, that record is just boom, everywhere. And it just keeps growing. And so lastly, uh, before before we say goodbye, what is uh, what advice do you have um, for folks that want to break into fashion as a fashion mm -hmm. stylist? Like, what advice do you have? What were some, some things, that, some mistakes that you made along the way that you would 
uh, advise other folks to to try to avoid? I mean, if, if my advice to anybody that just wants to get into styling, fashion styling, just you know, music business is definitely hold yourself to a certain stature and always make sure that everybody respects you. You know, it's like, yeah, like you might get some internships that you might not fuck with. You might make you do some crazy shit. At the end of the day, you're only going to be there for a few months. And it's like, once you're out of there, it's like, man, you know, learn how to treat everybody around you. If you treat everybody good, everybody's going to return that same energy. And everything's going to be so easy. It's like, man, once you're at that point, it's like all you do is just like you're just plugging. You know what I mean? You're just like plugging, continuously plugging yourself and continuously growing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's probably, you know, the best advice I could give somebody, man. Just make sure you always respect yourself. Sure. Well, Mario, man, thank you so much for thank being you, here, brother, man. man. Thank you for having me. Love you, man. It's always good. I, I, I feel like this is just like a natural yeah, thing whenever yeah, you're yeah, in yeah. town. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's just like, yo, what's up? I might have to come through and just jump in. <laughs> hey, just come through anytime, man. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 